here we go. Another episode of the Care Exchange, the Skills for Care podcast for managers and social care. I'm Pia Rafter Burton. And I'm Ali Rossbridge. Thank you so much for everybody who's given us feedback on the previous episode. It's been really good to hear that you've enjoyed the podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. We do have one small request. Please tell another manager that you might know about the podcast. And if they need it, then you can show them how to access it too. Yeah, and please do keep giving us feedback or rate us on where will you get your podcast from. Today, we're talking to Carly Rochester from the Lodge Group Care. And Carly's the manager of a domiciliary care service in Romford, which is actually in my area of North East London. And I've known Carly for a number of years. I'm, I've always been really struck by her passion for her job. So I'm really looking forward to talking to her today. Yeah, me too. When you start telling me about it, I thought, God, we've got to get her on the podcast. So on with the show. Kylie, thank you very much for coming today. Thanks very much for being part of the Care Exchange. Really delighted to have you today. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thanks so much for asking me. I'm really excited. So I just want to ask you, first of all, what's your journey? What was your journey into care? Um, I just literally stumbled into care. Um, like I was young uh, and there was a local job in the local paper back in the days where you didn't have online job ads and all the rest yeah. of it. It's just a local job in the paper. Um, never done care before. Advert said looking for an experienced care coordinator. Thought I'll chance my arm. How hard can it be? Um, I went for the interview and um, I've never left the care sector since. Amazing. So that was like 22 years ago. Yeah. Um yeah, I, th- I think it's one of those sectors, isn't it? You either stay in it for a long, long time or you, or you leave very quickly. There's, yeah. There doesn't seem to be that sort of combination. But yeah, um, and sort of the first company, like I've completely undervalued what social care was. Um, you know, when I went for my interview and everything like that, the lady said to me, you know, you know, about personal care. And I was sitting there thinking, well, I have a wash. Well, I, don't, I don't know what you mean, <laughs> you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the, the best thing that happened to me uh, when I first started into social care, the first week the manager sent me out um, and she sent me out for the whole week with a double up team um, just to observe what happens and, you know, what they do and everything like that. And, oh, my God, did I you know undervalue what social care was all about but thank god I had a a really sort of robust learning experience right at the beginning um and then the second thing that happened to me was um that you know five days in I'd not even really been into the office um I'd I'd been out in the community and then I was feeding back at the end of the day and on the Friday when I went back she said oh I'm glad you enjoyed it um and you know, it took me a few days to enjoy it because I was so shocked, basically. And I'm really soft. So if ever I see somebody like in a situation where they're, you know, sad or whatever else, or I was really upset for the first couple of days. I thought, you know what, actually, we can bring a, we can make a difference here and make them feel, you know, better about the situation they're in or whatever else. Um, And she said, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, But you know, part of the role is um, on call. And actually, we've got a contract with uh, a local authority. And also, like, there's got to be an on call for the agency that we're in. Um, so here's the phone. 
good luck. See you Monday. <laughs> I was like, I, I was like, oh yeah, lovely. Yeah, like no worries. And um, I literally, um, I, got, I don't think I got out of my pajamas um, or had a wash till Sunday. You know, yeah. so, soon as I sort of, because um, the phone was red hot. I had hospitals ringing me up about uh, new packages and things like that. And if I'm honest, I didn't have any training in it or anything like that. But thankfully, I had enough common sense to battle my way through it. And I just thought, you know what? If I can get over this weekend, I can, I can, I can do this. That's it. You know, being thrown into the deep end there. I mean, I mean, no, seriously, I was, you know. But I think it was a really good bit of um, experience for me. Um, I wouldn't do it to my staff if I'm honest, you know, but um, it, it learned me really, really quick. Um, and it showed me that, you know, in a crisis, I could get through it, basically. Mm. So, um, yeah, and I just I stayed there for um, in the first company for around 10 years. Um, I left that company just to sort of um, because I'd moved and um, I wanted sort of a new opportunity and things like that. And I worked for a company that I didn't stay with for a long time. It was about six months. I always like to stay in jobs for long, long periods of time. I'm sort of, once I get in, I get settled. Um, And another home care company, and my God, it was completely different. Um, You know, carers had to stay at the door. They wasn't allowed into the office and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And it just wasn't me. Mm. And every day it felt, I just, I felt bad. Um, It wasn't in my natural personality or anything like that. And I sort of drove home one day and I drove past Lodge Group where I work now. And um, I thought, oh, like, uh, that's, a, you know, and they was looking for a, a, a senior coordinator. So I thought, well, do you know what, I'll, um, I'll, I'll give them a go because they're just around the corner to me. Um, and somebody had offered me a job, funny enough, um, in um, Stratford uh, in another care ha- um, agency for uh, one of the dragons of a dragon's den um oh. anyway so I was all like okay well I'll be working for a celebrity and you know and all this sort of stuff <laughs> still young and ignorant anyway and um so I started with this company and it was just like a little stock gap if you like um and I had um uh, the first day I walked in um I was in there for about two hours and the manager said to me um right I've had a family crisis um, and I've, I've got to got to leave. I said, OK, yeah, no worries. Well, I thought she was popping out for an hour. Well, she never come back. <laughs> <laughs> she, I never saw her again. I've never seen her again to this day. So, <laughs> and um, because I went in on, you know, as, as in a senior role and there was like she had... Um, some there's a full office team but nobody sort of done the scheduling coordinating or anything like that um everyone was looking at me for a bit of leadership um and I didn't know nothing about the company so um you know again it was over like a sink or swim another thrown in the deep end end, you know there's not a crisis around me I start to panic (laughs) um, but anyway yes so I was um Literally, I, I said to the girls, right, you know, we're all going to have to chip in here and we're going to have to support each other. And, and, you know, when you're new as well, people don't know you. So you get some staff that are resistant to you, mm. um, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, obviously I'm new and I'm coming in and people don't, want me, you know, who's she? It's a bit like that. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And uh, anyway, so 
long story short, we got through it. And um, there was, at the time, it was quite a small company. Um, So there was 15 care workers and 16 clients. And I literally just thought, you know what, I'm going to call the carers in to see what they do. Um, And because there was only 16 clients, there was literally fighting over the clients and trying to get as many hours as they could. And the, this, the old manager favoritized this one. It was all that sort of stuff, you know? And I said, yeah. well, listen, we just got to go with an even playing field now. Um, and literally from there, um, we sort of just settled the company down and we grew. That was it. Yeah. We, just, we, we, just, we just grew the company and I've stayed there ever since. Um, I don't know what I'd do, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, if I didn't do this. <gasps> and how many staff have you got now? Um, we've got 90 staff now. Um, we've got a, a few on maternity, so we've probably got about 100, but uh, we've got 90 actively out in the field now. Um, and we've got 256 service users. I specifically counted for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it really has, has grown, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I felt that, you know, I had an obligation to grow the company to sustain people to be able to work there you know um to be able to earn an income um lots of times you know people say you know well if they care you know money shouldn't come into it well at the end of the day people have bills at the end of the month that's a that's a bad way of looking at things you know if somebody comes up to you and they say look i need 30 hours it ain't a joke do you know what i mean they need 30 hours so we will do our best to make sure that we can sustain people's work well you know salaries as well yeah so and yeah I, and that really comes through I was I was doing some research and I saw a, a member of your staff had said um lodge group value me so I value them for caring and I just thought that was a really powerful quote from 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 one of your from your staff why is it so important to value uh, your staff I, I just uh, you know so that question, I always think, why not? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, when I sit in, I don't know, meetings or whatever else, and they say the importance of valuing a care worker, why wouldn't you? Do you know what I mean? Look at what they do. I mean, we're all people at the end of the day coming. It's not an easy sector. It can burn you out. We all know the downside of social care in a sense that it's nonstop, yeah? But, you know, they're out there making such a difference. Um, um, and I've got nothing for respect from, seriously, you know, not every house you go to is all pretty, not every service user is thankful, you know, yeah. they get devalued by um, social workers at times, um, you know, all of this sort of stuff, because they're seen as, you know, um, not as important, if you like, but to me, they're the most important one because they're going in there day in, day out and delivering that care. And without them, where would we be, you know? Um, And, you know, we wanted to put, you know, our culture is one that we want people to be able to speak um, without fear of reprimand. I want them to say, not even silly things, but like anything they want and for us to have a conversation about. I want them to share problems, whatever else it is, um, so that, you know, they know that we're approachable. And, um, you know, I just I just think it's important that they don't feel like there's an office and them. No, no, we're all one team and we're all pulling in the same direction and each of us needs yeah. each other. So what sort of tricks do you have to manage such like a large staff group who all work remotely we might not see very often um well I just think you know obviously we're working remotely at the moment but normally when we're in the office we have an open door policy 
um, you know, in between calls, they can come in, have a cup of tea and a biscuit, you know, pop their head in, say hello, whatever it is. Um, you know, we're very sort of open and transparent, and, you know, they're coming into their place of work. There's no, I'm going into the office. This is their, you know, the, where they're coming in to see their team, basically. Um, lots yeah. of, um, you know, popping out to see them in the community uh, at work, keeping we like to keep our schedules in clusters, um, so areas around the borough. So you'll have neat little teams, if you like. So I don't know, Romford has Romford specific carers, um, and you know you can have meetings with the Romford specific carers, and then we all talk about the same clients. Everyone knows who we talk about because yeah. you know I found like you know very early on in my career that if I was sort of having team meetings. Uh, with everybody about everybody you don't get nothing out of it um so um with this remote working it was a whole different ball game because no office there anymore for them to pop into a cup of tea um but what we did was and sort of what helped me I think through this whole COVID situation I was very much like um I, I wasn't good at delegating <laughs> <laughs> but it's an actual and it is a skill because you know it, it you have to delegate because you become sort of a jack of all trades and a master of none if you like or you just burn yourself out and you know I've got an incredible office team they are incredible and you know my job as a manager has to be to empower them and trust them to do things that I'm holding on to mm. you know um so I think that a thing that come out of COVID for me was uh, delegation. So I've got girls in the office that worked in recruitment that did recruitment great, but they never interacted with the service users or the carers. Only like if they come into the office. But what I'm saying is they never had one-to-one -one long calls with them and things like that. And to, to make sure the workforce was okay every single week since the beginning of the pandemic, right to now, and there's no no plans to change it at the moment we've split up the carers into um, groups and every one of us call them every week um, for a chat to see how they are, whatever else it is. So they know that we're checking in on them. You know, I didn't want it to be like, okay, everybody's run home and we're all out here alone. Do you know what I mean? We wanted them to make sure that, yeah, we're not in the office at the moment because however, we're just at the end of the phone and we're right here if you need us. Um, and, you know, and that's really worked really well because, you know, people that in the in the office that would, would not normally do these sort of things, they've really enjoyed it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and yeah, I think it's helped me to let go of some things yeah. because, you know, that can be a skill in itself. Yeah. No, uh, I, I think delegation is, it, it can be really, really tricky to do, particularly if, yeah. you're, if you feel like you need to have that control to to make sure things are done properly. You know, yeah. you have a, have a standard, don't you? Um, yeah, yeah. But it sounds I, I, like a, a really good way of, of engaging everybody. And it's a little bit like you, you're talking about the, the, your start where you're kind of thrown out by having communication with, with the people yeah. doing, the, doing the work um and everybody have that responsibility to make sure they then they are you okay that's a really yeah. good way of, of of creating that that um sort of teamwork and making sure that people are feeling so do you think the carers how have you got the carers to feel like um teamwork you know how are you yeah i mean so we set up um uh, like a, a whatsapp group with every single person on it 
um and you know um and obviously so we used to have pp collections at the office and things like that um so we had to set mobile units up across the borough because our company is borough wide so we don't just work in one specific um like place um and you know um so that that really helped having the, the communication on the whatsapp and you know somebody asked in a question and rather than us immediately answer it one of the carers would and it start a bit of dialogue and things like that and that was a very you know we, we decided to do that in a little team call with our office and we said look we're always answering the questions but let them have a natural conversation and we'll chip in because we you know sometimes you know lots of times they've got better answers do you know what I mean or they come with up with solutions and you know it's it's about us as a team um and I think that you know and you know within the crisis and everything like that they've really come together more yeah. like you know it's not like they're all out and they care for each other they want each other to be safe um so I don't know if somebody said right I'm, I'm working next week I need to go and get PPE and then and she's not a driver or anything like that one of the other girls will say listen I'm right by you I'll pick it up for you and drop it off and they may have never met before you know or anything like that so um I think that that keeping that uh, conversation going on that group has helped everybody um and just like I said you know the calls in uh the checking uh, calls and just calls just off the cuff you know how are you everything okay you know sometimes they go oh god what do you want me for <laughs> you know <laughs> in reality yeah. um but you know and I'll say no listen come on, I'm just checking, how are you? How's things, you know, how's things going, whatever else. We don't just talk about um, service users, things like that. They might say, oh, yeah, well, my son wasn't well or blah, blah, whatever it is. And it's good to have those human relationships with people, you know, because I think that's all part of valuing each other. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I get calls into me as well, you know, I don't know if I've had a cold or something like that. How are you? How are you? Uh, you know, and, and it's nice. It's nice yeah makes you feel part of that team doesn't it yeah yeah absolutely so Carly is it, is it true to say that your communications increased because of the pandemic and you're actually communicating more than you were before as a team? yeah no absolutely I think that um you know because like I said we went home and we're working remotely we've definitely made much more of a conscious effort to make sure we are in communication weekly daily whatever it needs to be because it was scary times do you know what I mean and you know when everyone was told to go home their service continued and um you know at the end of the day they've got a right to feel scared and worried too they've got families they you know people have kids and husbands and all the rest of it we're so reliant on that, them doing their jobs um that we 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 wanted to make sure that they knew that you know, we, we was in constant communication, but we was doing everything we could to make sure they were safe. Mm. So like, you know, even in the beginning, um, you know, it was on the telly, you know, don't wear masks, don't wear this. They wore the full kit from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we had to do that to keep a stable workforce. Um, so they felt safe. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you're also involved with a, a project to upskill your staff with clinical skills. So tell me a bit more yeah. about that. Yeah, we did. Um, we was on a pilot for um, something called WISAM. Um, and we've got quite a few carers that want to go into nursing. 
Um, and we're really fortunate that, you know, at Lodge Group, we have a registered nurse that works with us. Um, and we have a local innovation centre, Care City, and they sort of approached us and said, look, do you want to get involved with it? And we were like, absolutely, you know, technology is the way forward. You have to embrace innovation. So um, we sort of sent a message out and, um, you know, we had about 10 girls that were trained and upskilled to uh, basically take stats so if they was going into a service user's house and the service user said, I don't really feel that well, they could take their blood pressure, you know, all of that sort of stuff, uh, do their oxygen reading, et cetera. And they could phone that into um, like 111 or anything like that, or the doctor, et cetera. Um, but it was great in reality to, because often, you know, social care staff are not trusted to do clinical you know tasks and dns are really busy all of the time uh, there's a huge demand for their time and there's lots of things that carers could competently do if they were supported yeah. um uh, i had sort of another problem which was uh, so we've got 90 carers 10 carers did it and then i had um how come she did it? Is she your favourite? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, listen, we're just doing this 10 first and then we're going to roll it out. You know, I've come up with some excuse. It was just a pick of the hat or blah, blah. But I mean, we gave everyone the opportunity. Um, and, you know, in reality, if you've got 10 kits, you've got 10 kits. Do you know what I mean? And those that had had, um, we had sort of meetings with Margaret and, you know, prior to discuss their clinical desires if you like to go into nursing and things like that um we want to make sure that you know people within social care see there are other opportunities and pathways into uh, clinical settings basically um so yeah no it was a it was a positive um experiment if you like and do you think that the the health colleagues that were involved in that appreciated the additional um skills that the care workers could bring to that situation and their value I think like everything so it was a it was good and there was definitely value there uh, but I, I think that because it was um, social care workforce and it wasn't very out there you know so I had paramedics one day come and say who's authorized these carers to do this you know and things like that you know, I think that all of these things are good as long as we all know about them and we're, all, we're, we're not, you know, no one's jumping up and down that social care staff are doing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, once we engage with um, the local GPs and, you know, all of that sort of stuff, but um, it was a slow burn on that side, yeah. if I'm honest. Yeah. And what's going to happen burn. now? What's going to happen now with that project? Are you gonna... uh, well, yeah, I mean, so so the research was done, basically, it all went back to the innovation centre, and then they'll contact us if there's a next okay. sort of trial or okay. how that goes forward. Okay. And how did the staff feel that they were able to, you know, do those extra tasks? Oh, I mean, they, yeah, they, they, they literally loved it, you know, um, I had sort of, um, so what we said was we set up, so the, the rules around it was, when somebody's unwell or once every four weeks um and um some of the carers that were going into sort of their regular clients we only kept it with regular clients that signed up to that consented and things like that and um we had a couple of clients say check my blood pressure for me 
I know you only done it yesterday, but do you want to give it a go now? You know? <laughs> so we so we had a few like that come up, up as uh, little hypochondriacs that they they wanted their um, all of their stats done daily. So uh, yeah, there was a there was a little balance in that. I mean, we even had a go in the office. <laughs> you know a little trial see how we was um we was doing so another project you've been involved with is about discharging people with covid into the community uh with home care support so how did you get involved with this i've always provided sort of an out of hours if you like to support a local hospital um not on a permanent basis so for my first 10 years in social care it was every other weekend um and when I joined Lodge Group um I got talking to the commissioners at Havering and there was a need for it um, and I said you know if there's ever sort of an opportunity or whatever else I've done this before you know and us as a company we're growing you know um so for, for a number of years over Christmas Easter if there's increment weather or anything like that, we set teams of girls up to support the demand in the area. Um, and then obviously when COVID-19 uh, come about, um, it was really important anyway for us in the beginning that anybody that got COVID-19 stayed separately from the mainstream schedules to sort of manage infection control, et cetera. And again, you know, um, it was, you know, we've never been through this sort of pandemic, you know, so I can't say I thought snow was bad, but, you know, this really taught me a lesson, you know. Um, but yeah. um, again, got talking to the um, local sort of hospital and things like that. And I'm from the community, so I live local. Uh, I, you know, so I work in Havering, I live in Havering. And, you know, that's my hospital that's being impacted. And, you know, I've done special teams and things like that for years it would be bad if I would sit there with a skill set I knew I could help um, if I turned a blind eye to it you know because you get a bottleneck effect so the local hospital won't be able to admit anybody in who could be a family member to any of us Um, if, if there isn't somebody on the other side willing to help people out at home from hospital um so actually we just started um well yeah we started last year we've done it all over Christmas and everything like that um and I think as well it's sort of everybody was scared of COVID so we had a lot of resistance from care staff in the beginning saying look I'll go out and work but if anybody's got COVID I don't want to go into care for them because I've got to worry about my family and things like that whereas we did have girls that said look you know I don't care like as long as you give me everything I need and I'm trained and you're there to support me, I will go in and I will look after people with COVID because somebody has to, you have to have those different minds within your organisation. So we we set up a COVID team anyway. um, And then all I did was um, I just expanded on the numbers. And, you know, I was very transparent with the local authority and said, you know, listen guys if any of these carers have to test and trace or they go off with COVID themselves or whatever else, we may need to reduce the numbers um, of people that are supporting and all things like that, supporting the emergency uh, discharges. Um, and, it, and it just works because, you know, we are transparent with the commissioners. They understand, you know, we work with them. Um, and I think it was a good message as well, in reality, to 
you know, at the beginning, you know, oh my God, I'm going to get COVID and I'm going to die. You know, oh my God, you know, and, and even though that's, you know, you can get COVID at 19, you can pass away from it. It's a dreadful thing. We needed to have people that were in the workforce that were looking after people with positive COVID-19 and was okay. You know, yeah. we it showed the effectiveness of the PPE. Yeah. You know, if you wear your full PPE correctly and you follow, you know, the donning and doffing videos, um, you know, you make sure you wash your hands, you make sure you sanitize, all of these things we sort of outlined, um, you know, it showed that actually it's effective. They, all of the staff, whether they was COVID-19 teams or not, wore the same PPE. Yeah. So we had a standardised approach. So I was like, well, listen, now, now we're going to, we'll, we'll find out, we're going we're to talk to you about it or whatever else, but just a little bit of reassurance. We, our carers on the other side, you know, and they know them um, because we, you know, we, we obviously promote them on the wall and things like that. And we share yeah. stories. Um, they, it, it they've never got it they've never ever got none of yeah. the girls that have ever got touch wood um have ever gone into the service users for since march last year looking after people with covid have never ever got it and they've been tested weekly um and um they've never got it so you know ppe works yeah yeah that's a really good message isn't it mm. to to, to yeah. your romanian your staff so you mentioned a lot in there uh, about transparency. What are your sort of kind of top tips for working with partners in terms of you talked about local authority, hospital commissioners? Clearly, transparency is important to you. But are there other things that you would suggest in terms of working with others? Um, just to have sort of, um, I don't know, like we, we was all working within a pandemic. Um, and, you know, um, so I don't know if, if if people were discharged from hospital and they didn't have, you know, certain things in place and everything like that, it was about working together to uh, resolve the problem rather than mudsling. Yeah. So rather than go, right, yous didn't do yeah. this. Um, it's rather that it's instead of that, we, we say, we need this. How can you help? You know, and um, and I think that, you know, we can't work in divisive ways. You know, I sit in lots of meetings and, you know, I hear people all the time say, well, they should do this and they should do that. Well, you know, we're all working under pressure. And yes, you know, we need systems that work. Um, but, you know, let's not water down the situation that everybody's working in and and let's work together on getting the best outcome. And then afterwards, after this is all over, let's retrospectively look back to find out how we did things and how we could do things better for the future. Yeah. Um, because I don't think at any time we can sit in a room, at, you know, in the beginning, you know, when we, you know, we're just coming for our last peak, but at the last peak or anything like that, sitting there saying, well, actually, we did this and we did that. It's so important message about not blaming each other. I think that's such an important message you're giving there. Yeah, you just can't, you just, you just can't do it. You know, everybody's working under pressure. Um, and, you know, I've got no problem at the end of it, sitting in a room saying, right, guys, look, what could we have done better? What could you have done better? And if this happens again, what, what do we need in place to make sure that something, you know, we're in, it isn't such fight or flight mode, you know, mm. nobody expected COVID to be as it was. I mean, I'm a little bit of a, 
you know, I mean, when it first came around COVID, I mean, my mum and dad were in Vegas and um, and I was sort of bringing them up saying, that was in the Bellagio Hotel and I'm saying, wipe the tables, wipe this. And they thought I was nuts, you know? And because it weren't in the UK at the time. Um, and, you know, but it started to sort of, just before they flew back, it sort of started to come in. And I remember sort of um, about two weeks after I was listening to it on the news I sort of done a crisis shop in work filled up every cupboard with tins and like we was going into war I don't know you know but I'd rather be prepared than not mm. um, because you know we had all this food around us which thank god we did because you know you couldn't get into Tesco's or the, the delivery slots went out for weeks at a time and people lost their next of kins that couldn't no longer go or they couldn't or they were shielding or whatever else it was you know thank god we had this food around and things like that but even well, if we had to waste the, it where did the food go to the to your clients yes so um we had certain clients that part of their daily routine was to go to the shop Right. Um, they couldn't go to the shop anymore um, because they was in the at risk group and things like that. So um, we was able to sort of drop around parcels and bags of food and things like that. And I mean, the, the drawback of it is I've got a client that rings me every week that thinks I'm a shopper. <laughs> <laughs> she, she loves what I get her and, and, what, and what the girls in the office drop for and things like that. You know, I had an ex kid the other week saying, you know, you never come round with a bag recently. And I was like, oh, you know, it was a crisis thing. But, you know, um, God, but, you know, and, and the thing is as well, you know, if you ever you do things like that and you don't use it, it's never going to go to waste because there's plenty of charities around that need these the, these items from you, you know. So, I mean, we did it the second time around as well. when We got an office full of stuff um, and we're sort of, you know, we'll have a balance now on who we you know, people that need it in the community plus um, the homeless shelter that's local to us. Um, but yeah, I think that um, I'm all up for looking back retrospectively at what we could do different, how we could have managed things better. Not us, as in not only us, I just want to get to the end of it and learn lessons. Yeah. I think that's the most positive way. Yeah. Thank you for that. Brilliant. You've, you've told us so much and you told us so many stories already, Carly, but um, the next bit we, we ask everybody, um, what story or experience do you always tell people, like your go-to story, whether it's to colleagues or to friends, what story do you tell? I mean, you know, you get carers that start um, in home care and they've never worked in care before, um, so they're like, oh my god, I'm nervous, um, and you know, people who meet me think I'm confident, I'm bubbly, all the rest of it, and I couldn't get nervous and things like that. Um, but you know, because I've done lots of on calls over loads of years, the first time I ever went out to do home care, I'd done it for this little lady that lived quite local to me, and I was really nervous. The first call I'd ever been in, and I remember sort of, um, I said, right, okay. I looked at her care plan and everything, had a good little chat with her. And um, I had to empty a commode and the nerves just took over me. And I ended up walking with her commode up about three or four steps to go and um, empty it and everything. And she said to me, excuse me, love. I said, oh, yeah, sorry. I walked back down with the commode. She said, they don't normally bring the chair with them. I bought the whole thing. <laughs> I bought the whole thing. I didn't just bring the bucket. Um, so, 
you know, and I said, oh, I'm sorry, you know, and I, I just, I don't know, I just lost my foot in, and then I brought the bucket and everything, and she didn't realise the next day that I was on call, and so she rung up to find out who her carer was, um, and she said, uh, you know, I want to know who my carer was, and she said, it ain't that woman from last night, is it? She didn't have a clue. <laughs> so, you know, and I've been on every training course, and I sit in meetings, and I talk about it all of the time. Yeah, the nerves just hit me, and I brought a whole bucket with me, so. That's a brilliant story, but it's so lovely. I can imagine you telling that to new staff members oh. and saying, you know, well, if you think you've got problems, this is what I did on my first day. Seriously. So, <laughs> I say, listen, it can't get any worse than that. And I was literally straining, bringing this chair, thinking, how are they lifting this, you know? <laughs> but anyway, oh my well, God. Thank, thanks for that one. It's a lovely story. I shall laugh about that. Um, you come across as really passionate all the way through this conversation, but I'm going to ask you what you really, really like about what you do. It's the second really that's really important there. You know, what is it that really inspires you about your job? I just like making the difference, to be honest. I think that what we do is so important. It really is. Um, you know, I would want people to feel the way I do and the carers work um, with my family members. It's, you know... Um, you know, even going into meat service users and listening to their life stories and everything like that, I just think it's a privilege. And, you know, it's, yeah, just making a difference. I couldn't think of doing anything else, to be honest. I'm still thinking about you when you started your job as a stopgap and you were here how many years later? In I know, 10. Time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ten, 10 years later. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, it's... Just moving on to, we've got a, a slot we call time for care slot. So this is where we're asking you to share your most time saving tip with other managers. So you know, imagine what have you learned that works for you that you'd uh, recommend to others? Learn to delegate, seriously. I mean, if I think now prior to the pandemic, you know, I used to go on holiday and say it was a 10 hour flight. I couldn't wait to get off the flight to check my emails. I'd mm. sit on a beach and think, oh my God, I've lost Wi-Fi. I need to go back to the hotel. And like, you know, it's, it's, I needed to, you need to empower your workforce and learn to delegate because you can't be good at everything. And if you're not good at everything, then, you know, something has to sacrifice. And that thing that sacrifices may be, you know, something really important because it's all important. So I think that, yeah, learn to delegate and trust and empower people. I mean, I felt that I was quite an empowering sort of person anyway, but I realised that I was holding on to too many things. You can't juggle all the balls, basically. Those around you and even bringing in, you know, like like I said earlier, like the girls in recruitment and, you know, you, you have these very sort of identified job roles, but actually it's really important for them to engage with service users mm. because they're recruiting the staff to provide to the service users. Mm. And I found that so valuable yeah. uh, because, you know, they're passionate about Peggy yeah. now. Pe Peggy's just not somebody that rings up for the back office. Peggy's somebody they talk to and Peggy is somebody they want to please so uh, you know um, and yeah sharing the workload out um, so delegation giving people in the organization who wouldn't naturally do these sort of roles or calls or whatever else it is empower them to do so we all have to pull together and we all have to feel the same that you know it is such such an important job thanks so much so the hardest thing we can ask you to do now 
is try and think of three words that kind of summarize all the things you've talked about today. So what are your kind of three words you leave, leave people, leave the listeners with? Sort of takeaways. Yeah. yeah, just the importance of valuing your workforce, um, the, important, the importance of empowering people um, with, you know, different skills and abilities and everything like that. Um, and, um, and delegation, I'll come back to that again, giving out tasks that you keep hold of, um, that people around you could likely, you know, at times do lots better. These girls have done great. They've done magnificent. They've showed me up. Do you know, I've been holding on to this stuff and they've it much better. So, you know, learn to delegate because if you learn to do that as well, it, you know, it helps your own well-being. I don't feel, you know, I've worked for this crisis. We've had all of this. We've had staffing issues. We've had 74 people with um, COVID since Christmas. So in a very short uh, time. But I don't feel drained because mm. I'm not holding on to all of that stuff. And um, I was walking around like a washed out rag. Yeah. <laughs> before before I sort of you know I've got this little skill set now that um you know I've got this fantastic team around me that have rose to the challenge and um I think empowerment to staff to help them flourish because people stay as well you get you know lots of our carers have been for as long as I have yeah. and the office team they've, they've, they've stayed they don't go anywhere you know um and I think that's just you know, all part of that we trust each other, we value each other, and um, and now I'm much more empowering. <laughs> Thank you. I think there was slightly more than three words there, but yeah, we'll I think so. yeah. <laughs> just, I'm never good at wrapping up. <laughs> I was just thinking if I could summarise, as I think your three words were value, empower, delegate. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay, that's a great way to finish. Thank you yeah. so much for today. You, again, you've spoken so many about so many important parts, and I think it's really interesting to hear about home care um, and and how you've managed through the pandemic and your leadership style has been really coming re through very very strongly. So thank you so much for today. No worries at all. Thanks, Take Emma. care. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Oh, thank you to our guest, Carly Rochester. Yeah, she was great. I, I knew she'd have a lot of things to say. I, I love listening to Carly. I think I could listen to her all day. You know, she's got so many stories. It's great. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think her personality comes across so well in terms of how she is, how she is with everybody. You know, it was really, really interesting to, to talk to her and I learned so much. I thought it was really interesting how she talked about how she worked in partners with yeah. others. Um, it's clearly something that registered manager is going to have to do much more how we how uh, the situation with integrated care yeah. and I thought it was really interesting how she was talking about uh, kind of how she you know not about blaming each other about working with each other trying to kind of come find find a solution to any issues they are yeah. um, we do have a new resource so if you are a member of um, skills for care uh, and you renew your membership you get uh, uh, we always provide a, a resource from if you renew your membership and this this year that membership that membership resource is a partnership resource about how to work how to work with partners um, if you're a member you just renew your membership if you're not a member of skills for care you can uh, purchase that membership is 35 pounds a year and there will be more details in the show notes.
Yeah, um, I think she really was good on partnership working. Yeah. And, and also um, when she was mentioning the project that the care workers were involved in and taking on some of those clinical tasks, yeah. uh, you know, things that might be considered to be healthcare tasks. And it's interesting because we uh, that's obviously something that's increasing. And I, and I really yeah. think it was important what she was saying about how the care workers felt so much more valued because of that as yeah. well. But we've got a new um, delegated healthcare task guide that looks at just this topic, actually. So I think that would be useful for any manager who's looking for guidance, because obviously there's an importance of, of being able to deliver a delegated healthcare task safely and competently. And I think that guide does give some tips for that. So you, know, you can search for delegated healthcare tasks on our website if you want to find that guide. It's out there now. Yeah, and again, it will be in the in the show notes if you yeah. have a look at our, our website. So yeah, um, I, again, I thought it was really interesting when she was talking about the how 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 enjoyable the the frontline staff found mm. and mm. and how they felt much more empowered to ha- to have Absolutely. these additional skills. Um, yeah, really great it work. Really values care workers more, doesn't yeah. it? It really does. Absolutely, absolutely. So thank you for listening today. Um, do have a look at the show notes. I mentioned them a few times for more details of those resources that we just mentioned. Um, really um, useful to kind of be able to see some of the resources to help you to implement some of the ideas that Kylie had. Yeah, great. And don't forget the Care Exchange Conversation is a monthly podcast. So make sure you click on the subscribe button so you can get a notice latest episode. And we hope to um, see you at the next episode. Yeah, thank you for listening. Bye.